Adventure. Now put my on W four C Y. Wake up, America! It's time for the adventures of Pipe Man on W4CY.com, West Palm Beach's number one internet radio station. Here's your host, the Pipe Man. This is the Pipe Man here on the Adventures Pipe Man W4CY radio, and we're going back up to Canada for some really, really good music. You guys are going to love it. I have our guests with us here, so I want to welcome Ian from the Bloody Hell. How you doing, everybody? Glad to be on. Oh, glad to have you, and I got to tell you, this uh, new video and single you have out, Last Word, I I felt it was so cool because... You know, sometimes nowadays videos bore me, and it's like, I might as well just listen to a song. I don't need to watch the video, but man, pulling up your video, it was like uh, pulling up Netflix. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. We uh, we tend to focus a lot on our uh, music videos, and we try to accompany every single that we do with a visual representation to kind of give the audience another medium to be drawn into the song and to get the, the vibe and the concepts behind uh, each of the songs. So uh, we focus quite a lot on our videos, and we put a lot of work into them, and uh, this one in particular was a lot of fun. We filmed it at a uh, series of haunted houses that crop up every year here around Halloween, and they're massively popular, and they probably put, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into these, and they hire a bunch of people to, to scare the bejesus out of you. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we had done a whole bunch of videos before, so we have a little bit of a reputation around here of always putting out cool music videos. So I, I contacted them, and to my delight, they absolutely loved the idea and thought that it would be a great collaboration. And it, it turned out to be uh, even better than we thought it was going to be. So cheers to the people at the uh, Riverbury's Fear Farm for being such gracious hosts and letting us come through and uh, are working on this video with us. Well, very cool. And maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit about the song and the whole basis of The Last Word. Uh, so the song was uh, off of our debut album, which came out in uh, late 2018. Um, and this has been the fifth single off of it. So, you know, we've we've almost run the cloth completely dry from that album, but we're working on a new one right now. So uh, look forward to that. So the concept for the song was basically, you know, I, I was in a situation where I was told that I, I would never be able to do something. And, and then it kind of lit the fire under my ass to make sure that I did do that. It was a 100% spite. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you get told that you can't do something and, and they kind of kind of they think they have the last word with you'll never amount to what you think you will and then as the song proclaims over and over and over again i'll get the last word yet so we also tend to go for more of the um horror side of things and uh, we love the you know the occult called pentagrams all of that kind of stuff so uh, we thought that turning the idea of the concept which is getting the last word into a story about a murderous family who was banished from society but they'll get the last word yet nice I dig it. Well, yeah, that's pretty cool about your uh, the whole concept of the song. And just, I really dug in the beginning of the video where it's kind of telling the story. That's why I made the reference earlier about Netflix because it was like, yeah. you know, I felt like I was watching a movie. Yeah, um, well, that's actually a, uh, a straight uh, nod to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It has a very similar section in it that's a police report that uses a lot of the same uh, type of terminology and stuff. So we thought it would be a nice little nod to 
to the you know the horror classics of our childhood and also gives the video a nice context so you're not just seeing you know band and gore and, and band and more gore and stuff it actually gave it a lot of context and helped it out so i have a, a good friend of mine as a voice actor so i uh, enlisted him for the price of a couple beers to help <laughs> me do that and he did a fantastic job so it, it really uh it adds to the vibe of the video and and gives the uh the audience uh, kind of gets them in the mood for what they're about to see yeah no doubt and you know i found it was uh it's pretty cool that you said the original texas chainsaw massacre because like to me there's nothing like the original like they keep doing these remakes but the original was the best it's true yeah it's, it's hard to uh you know even though it might not be the you know filmed the best or acted the best or or anything it, it's hard to copy such a groundbreaking and original idea you know, no matter how much money you put behind it you can't beat the originality and, and the original feel of it all so um fantastic movie although i do have a soft spot for texas chainsaw massacre too uh, and, and texas chainsaw massacre the next generation with matt mcconaughey i also really like that one <laughs> well he well he's great no matter what he plays the original, is great. the original is great. So there was something I thought was really cool. When you go to your Facebook page and you go in the about section and you have your story, I thought that was really cool. So it says, the bloody hell is what would happen if George Thorogood sang for the Misfits, but all the songs were written by Tom Petty. That that was like funny as could be. But you know, as funny as it was, I read that after listening to the song. I'm like, that's spot on. Yeah, so that's our uh, that's our little elevator pitch. If anyone ever says, you know, what do we sound like? We don't just say, you know, we're a rock and roll influenced punk rock band or anything like that. We try to give them something that they can conjure up in their mind. And basically what that means is that it's songs about substance abuse and heartache played at punk rock speeds with really catchy choruses. That's basically what that saying means. So sometimes we swap out George Thorogood for Lemmy and swap out... <laughs> um, swap out Tom Petty for Bob Seger, but, you know, we're very influenced by bands like The Misfits and, you know, The Descendants and The Dead Kennedys and all that early punk stuff as far as our, our vibe and ethos goes. And then we're all such huge classic rock fans. We just grew up on that stuff. So all those, you know, melody and chord progressions and stuff were, you know, we're so rooted in, in The Beatles and Neil Young and, and stuff like that. But we love taking that stuff and making it as ugly as possible as we we, we make uh, ugly pop music. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, I got yeah. a couple of things I want to say about what you just said. First of all, what I want to say is what I really loved about this description is one of my questions I normally ask because I hate genres. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, bands always get boxed into a genre and there's like so many exactly. micro genres now. And it's like just so ridiculous. And so yeah. I'll normally ask a band without using a genre, if you were to visually describe to the listeners what your band's music is and they always had artists always have a hard time answering that question without using genre and yeah i read your thing and i'm like that's the perfect answer right there <laughs> And it gave yeah, me the whole vigil. How many compliments we get on that, actually? <laughs> but because it, it just totally explains it. And like you said, it's the elevator pitch. Instead of it being like a half an hour yeah. explanation, 
It just totally explains it in one sentence. It's perfect. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we also like to joke around that we're the, the future of classic rock and, uh, <laughs> you know, beautiful music for ugly people, all kinds of all kinds of stuff like that. Because I agree with you 100%. It's really hard to describe your music um, using genres, you know what I mean? If I say we're a punk rock band, well, there's like 40 billion punk rock bands, and, and that doesn't it doesn't give anyone a clear idea of what we are. Um, no doubt. And, and also our name is, well, you know, if someone was to ask me what image does your, your band sound like kind of thing, I would say that we sound like a blood-drenched hell. So nice. we sound like the bloody hell. It's not just a quip or a British saying. It's actually meant to conjure up an image of a blood-soaked uh, hell. Very cool. And, and, you know, going on something else you said, you mentioned the Beatles. And I yeah. think bands like the Misfits kind of pattern after the Beatles you know a lot of people don't see the correlation in the, the Beatles to a lot of other bands that came after them there's a lot of correlation so I uh, again I grew up um, you know on my uh, my parents music which was the Beatles the Eagles Neil Young Guess Who Doors all that classic rock stuff and then the first band that I was ever considered my own band was Nirvana you know hugely influenced by Nirvana as is our entire generation basically um, but it wasn't until kind of in my mid-20s that I got into the Misfits, and I remember the first time hearing the Misfits and thinking, this is the exact band in the middle of the Beatles and Nirvana. It's like, yep. it, it was the missing link to me, you know what I mean? Like, it was how, it just made a lot of sense the first time I started listening to the Misfits. It was just like, they took all of the, the catchiness and sing-along stuff that the Beatles were doing and drenched it in the grossest, sloppiest guitar <laughs> you can imagine. And, and, and to me, again, it was just like the Beatles and Nirvana were pretty much the two most important bands in my life. And when I heard the Misfits, it was just like the missing piece of the puzzle to me. It was just like, that's the band that's directly in the middle of that. You know, if you, if you think of it as like two sides of a cliff, one is the Beatles, one is Nirvana. The Misfits to me are the bridge that connects those two bands. It definitely makes a lot of sense too. And yeah. You know, it, it's funny you just answered a question for me because i'm 53 so yeah i grew up on the misfits like glenn danzig misfits you know yeah absolutely and yeah. so when i go to shows now and i see all these kids wearing misfits shirts i'm like how the hell do they know who the misfits are you know like it, it goes through my head it's like you know how do they even know and you just answered the question yeah Good, good marketing as well, of course. Oh, no, that, like brilliant. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was at a music festival with some friends, and uh, the Prophets of Rage were playing, which for anyone who doesn't know is uh, half of Rage Against the Machine with some members of Public Enemy and, yep. and Cypress Hill. And they have some of their own songs, and they play some Cypress Hill songs, and they play some Rage Against the Machine songs. But anyway, I, I joked to my friend that, like, I wonder if there's anyone here to see, because they were headlining the festival, to see Prophets of Rage who don't know who Rage Against the Machine are. And yeah. my friend was like, there's no way. Like, everyone... Would have to know and sure enough we met so many people that had never heard rage against the machine but were wearing prophets of rage t-shirts and it's it, it just you know just kind of elaborate on what you were saying there like it was mind-blowing how like like you don't you don't even know why this band is <laughs> headlining this festival at the time they only had one song that was their original song right so it was just i don't know it blows my mind and then it's like uh, here's another example i was just talking to somebody yesterday about ice tea and body count and 
Yep. Like this is somebody, okay, so this kid was 23 years old. He's into hip hop. You know, he was interviewing for my station and telling me he's into hip hop. And so I bring up the Ice-T thing. Had no clue that Ice-T's been like a metalhead for like <laughs> 20, 30 years. And Body yeah. Count's been around that long. Like just no clue that's who Ice-T really is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you want to talk about uh, way ahead of their time. That first Body Count album was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fast forward 10, 12 years, and that's what every band sounded like. Exactly, no but doubt at, about at it. The, at the time, it was it was paid little mind. It was, I think it was paid more mind for the controversy that it created with Cop Killer um, than for actual the musical merit behind it. But you go back and listen to it now, and it's, it's such a gem. Like, it's because of everything that, you know, when you look at it in hindsight, I guess is what I'm saying. It's, it's such a gem. No doubt. And and it, it does amaze me today, like we're talking about all these different things. It amazes me today. You know, I come from a time where if it played on the radio, I wasn't listening to it. And it usually didn't play on the radio. And, uh, you know, we did yeah, tape absolutely. trading and all that. You didn't have like like stations that would just play metal or just play punk. I even come from a time yeah, where punks couldn't go to metal shows and metal heads couldn't go to punk shows. You know, I, yeah, I, unfortunately, there's still some of that going around. But uh, it's it's great that you mentioned uh, tape trading because um, I am a, a huge cassette tape collector. I have, you know, nice. thousands and thousands of cassette tapes and we press all of our music on cassette and are heavily involved in the uh cassette trading i That's love definitely that one of our and it's fantastic because we have sold more copies of our debut album on cassette than than any other format almost by double so it's it's you know the cassette revolution never went away which i'm happy to hear that it's slowly coming back that's so badass I, like seriously yep. that's amazing you know because yep. there aren't many bands right now like they'll press vinyl but how many will actually press a, a cassette tape you know so well it's that, funny because I, I think more and more indie bands are getting back on the the train of cassettes a because they're cheap um, like a vinyl is, is expensive to press right like we right. we looked into the vinyl and it's just like you know maybe if we had like a two-week tour lined up in a bunch of different cities but for us it wasn't worth it to press vinyl but the cassettes we got for like you know three and some change each um and we can sell them for six bucks and but uh my point is is that like i know for me for someone who collects tapes and i've been collecting tapes since the 90s if i go to a show and see a band even if i'm not blown away by the band if they have a cassette tape for five bucks a 99 percent chance i'm gonna go buy it just, nice. to, just to have it and listen to it and but you know what i mean like if they have a cd i don't even own a cd player so <laughs> i'm not gonna buy it you know what i mean and i feel like a lot of people that are into cassettes and collecting cassettes kind of come from the same approach that i do like five bucks isn't breaking the bank on anything right but a vinyl is like you know you're gonna spend 20 bucks on a vinyl or something right yeah exactly but you know, if if you are a band and unless i'm completely turned off by your band like i completely hated you guys uh and you have a cassette for sale i'll i'll definitely pick it up and uh, and just you know support you in that way just just to have the cassette so i think that the, the cassettes are coming back they're not quite to the point where they're repressing old albums on cassette like vinyl got to the point where they started repressing a bunch of albums on vinyl that were never pressed on vinyl um so cassettes haven't quite got to that point yet but they're coming back so yeah it's pretty wild i you know i remember the days you know if something screwed up on your cassette and you spliced it yourself and <laughs> 
all the I things that went on. Times, yeah. <laughs> and you know, you're talking about misfits. It came in my mind, like I, because I have boxes of cassettes at home. I have Legacy of Brutality yeah. on cassette. I know for sure. I know I have a bunch of misfits, uh, yeah. but I know I have uh, that, that one. That for one sure. is in uh, heavy rotation for me all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic cassette. And it and it's part of the fun of cassettes is also going around to thrift stores and trying to find those gems. Like I found that and um, Earth AD at a thrift store one time with wow. a bunch of like old biohazard tapes and stuff like that. Like some really cool some like underground '90s stuff, which was awesome. And they were all forty nine cents a piece, right? Like you go on in, on eBay and look up a Misfits cassette, and you're lucky to get one for under. 50 or 60 bucks right so so when you go into a thrift store and, and you find those gems like that like i found uh geezer butler's solo project on cassette the other day wow. which i didn't even know existed yeah she's wow. at geezer and it's got the guys from fear factory helping him out and i'm not sure if you've ever heard it or not but it's it's wonderful i didn't even know it existed but That's, uh that is pretty cool well i have yeah. uh well get this you're gonna freak on this i have like armored saint demo tape motley crude demo tape metallica wow. Demo tape, you know, because like I used yeah. to go see like Slayer and Metallica when they only got like 25 people at the Troubadour, you know, type of yeah. thing. And same with uh, Motley Crue. Like uh, I, I actually okay, saw yeah. Motley Crue when they actually were pretty heavy and they didn't, they were more horror punk before yeah. they turned glam. Yeah. That's actually what hooked me on going to club shows. I saw them at the Roxy and it was pretty funny because I was. I didn't even remember, but I was interviewing Don Dockin like two weeks ago, and I was talking about my first club show at the Roxy with Motley Crue. He's like, uh, yeah, we warmed up for them. And I didn't even remember that because I was just, <laughs> I just remember going to this show, and it was before, like, the only, and they didn't even have an album out yet. They had the, the Too Fast for Love uh, zipper, like it had a real zipper on it. There was like only like, I don't know, 200 copies or something like that come out shortly okay. after yeah. that. And, uh, but they were like horror punk at that point in time. And I remember going to their show at the Roxy and I was like, I'm never going to a real concert ever again. That was the most badass thing I ever experienced. And that was really the start of me just like going to club shows pretty much three to four times a week, every week. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that you, you would mention that because uh, I've heard, I've heard rumors because we, you know, like going back to like pigeonholing yourself in a genre we actually like consider ourselves a horror punk band um but we're not into like the the makeup and the costumes and stuff like that but right. we're into punk rock and horror themed things so we call ourselves but i've heard rumors before that uh, that motley Crue started as a uh, more of a you know a costumed kind of misfits type band oh and totally I, I, uh, it's, it's nice to hear you reaffirm that i wasn't i wasn't aware that that was a i thought it was just a rumor kind of thing right no that and you know the shout at the devil album was their original music not too fast for love the record labels had yeah. them do too fast for love and basically at this show nikki six lit his pants on fire vince neal lit his microphone on fire mick mars had his guitar on fire and, and tommy lee had his uh, drumsticks on fire and they were like trying to set everything on fire to bring satan into the roxy <laughs> it was pretty wild wow yeah that's a uh, that's quite the thing yeah what a fantastic show to see oh no no doubt, no doubt. You know, like they were, you know, they were like a cross between like a Misfits and Kiss is really okay. how they kind of started out. Here's some more trivia for you since we're talking about how bands started out. Do you remember the band The Go-Go's, that pop girly band? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they were originally a hardcore punk band in Hollywood. Like Belinda okay. Carlisle and uh, Jane Wheatland were hardcore punkers, and they just they didn't know what the hell they were doing. They just wanted to start a punk band so they could get laid and, and party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The, and, you know, and that's, like, the beautiful thing about um, about punk rock is, uh, like, I, I was a drummer in bands for, you know, a decade or whatever and you know what i mean and, and i i'm no slouch at the drums but i started playing guitar and i'm not a shredder i'm not a, a super technical guitar player and um, but i know how to make some power chords and i got some attitude so it's it's there you go punk, punk rock was the right avenue for me so it's like it, punk rock proves that music is about more than what notes you're playing or how technically proficient you are right like yep Punk rock is the one genre that can, and that's my problem with like, you know, some hardcore metal stuff is that it's too theory based, right? It takes the, you know what I mean? The sweet picking and all that. And it's fine if you're into that for sure. But punk rock, I think is more, well, more and, relatable, I guess, to, yeah, to people well, that aren't, that aren't extremely talented in those situations. You know what I mean? Like punk rock to me is much more of a, it's an outlet. A, 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 it's an well, It's much more it's, of a, a desire to to be heard than about what you're saying, particularly. You know what I mean? If that makes oh, sense. No, oh no, doubt at all. It's a, it's an attitude. It's an outlet. It's you know, so any kid can pick up an instrument and play without having to worry about you know how good they are, or whatever, and their voice yeah, can what be scales, you know, and yeah, and their voice can be heard, you know, and and it's yeah. like, and that's why, as far as metal goes, I was, I was always a thrash metal head because thrash metal was the combination of metal and yeah. punk. Like you take Slayer, which punk, is yeah. one of my favorite bands, you know, Dave Lombardo and Jeff Hanneman were punk rockers, you know, they, yeah. you know, yeah, so absolutely. you, you had had that whole combination going on and it's like just we're tweaking it a little and it's really what brought metal and punk together you know and and yeah. kind of started that whole crossover scene but i mean yeah. genius bands. anthrax a lot too anthrax had a lot to do with oh yeah no doubt no doubt uh anthrax and metallica too because you know yeah absolutely when metallica first started they were ultra fast like nobody was as fast as metallica you know and yeah and they couldn't really play with anybody else in la that's the problem that's why metal and punk had to come together because there's nobody else in la you could play with you know that yeah you know you had slayer and metallica and dark angel and hyrax were basically it in la at the time okay and, you know, yeah. so they're getting lumped with Poison and Great White and Striper yeah, yeah, and bands yeah. like that. So it's like it made no sense. So I I was actually uh, at the first ever crossover show. It was at this place called the Sun Valley Sportsman's Lodge. Uh, and it was like an Elks Lodge. There was no security. There were three heavy metal bands and three heavy punk bands and it's funny one of the bands i was in i interviewed on uh, about a year ago and and they remembered this gig they're like that was an iconic gig so check this out it was the metal bands were dark angel possessed and one other band i can't yeah. remember who 
Wow. Yeah. You don't hear about possessed enough. Exactly. And then the punk bands were, you ready? COC, when they were hardcore punk. Yeah. Suicidal Tendencies. And somebody else, I can't remember who. The place was insane. There was no no safe place to hide, for sure, because there was no security. So if you were not somebody (laughs) that was a slam dancer before they called it moshing, like, you better not go to the show, basically, because... You're not going to hide in the corner and not get yourself killed. Like, you just, (laughs) you're there to do that. Oh, it was unbelievable. Iconic. And it was like, what year year was that? Mm, I think it was like 1983, I think. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was was insane, you know. And and at a place you would never go see a show. Like, it wasn't like, yeah. Because no other place would have allowed that show to happen, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. I bet, like you, I bet everyone in that audience still talks about that show to this day. Oh, no doubt. I interviewed COC yeah. last year, and Woody and and Mike both were like, yeah, that was iconic. Like, they, they played thousands of shows through the years, but that one they remember playing. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's pretty for wild. Sure. So, why don't you give everybody your, uh, you know, social media connections, uh, everything that they can connect with you, how they can check out your video, check out all your music, all that good stuff. Uh, sure, just, uh, you know, the, the normal things. We're on Facebook at Bloody Hell HFX. Same as Instagram, it's the same handle, Bloody Hell HFX, which stands for Halifax, which is where we're from. Halifax, Nova Scotia, um, and on YouTube, you can find us there. Uh, just type in The Bloody Hell, and we got five music videos out for you. They're all off of our debut album. One of them was actually nominated for a Canadian Independent Music Video of the Year. Nice. Uh, so it's, it's a crazy stop-motion video. We collaborated with a stop-motion artist uh, named Diane Lindo, who I found uh, through Instagram, and, and I loved her work. So uh, we connected to collaborate on a project, and she she absolutely knocked it out of the park, man. Like she she took the song and she got it right away. And what she turned it into in a video, it's still. I just watched it for the first time in like a month or two the other day, and it's it's such a wild ride. So anyway, that was nominated for Canadian Independent Music Video of the Year. We didn't win, uh, sadly, but it was real cool to see our name on a list with like you know bands like the Cancer Bats and the Dirty Nil and like some big up and coming bands, which were which was really cool just to have our our little video uh, kind of in the same arena as some bands that are touring the world and making big waves so that was super cool Uh, so i recommend anyone check that out it's called out of our minds and again it's off of our uh, debut album which is available on all streaming services as well as Bandcamp. you know and if there's any cassette uh listeners out there if you want to go to any of our social medias and drop us a line i'll send you a cassette uh for sure if you just want to pay the shipping i'll send it to you for free because i love getting cassettes out there and uh and feeding the cassette fire so if there's any cassette fanatics listening there you go and uh you drop me a line you just pay the shipping and i'll send you a bloody hell cassette nice i love it i love it and you know what was the weirdest thing about what you just said there you're the second interview today that talked about having a stop motion video and i've not even heard that in like forever it's so weird yeah (laughs) <laughs> Man, uh, again, I am blown away by the amazing job that uh, Diane Lindo is her name. Uh, fantastic stop motion artist. She's done some videos for some other bands and stuff. You can find her on Instagram, uh, and it's Diane E. Lindo on Instagram. 
she just does the creepiest, most fantastic work uh, with stop motion. So for this particular video, it was just about, you know, being in a situation where you're kind of in love, but under the influences of substances. And once the substances wear off, you kind of question uh, what it was all about. Anyway, it's called Out of Our Minds. She nailed it, absolutely nailed it out of the park. It almost got banned by YouTube for having gratuitous doll sex in it. But uh, <laughs> we did a little re-edit and it, and it passed their community guide lines and um so yeah i i hopefully anyone who's into stop motion would go and check it out and check her out as well because uh you know she definitely did uh did right by us but the rest of her work is is equally as awesome nice well thanks yeah. for the great music and thanks for taking the time and i hope everybody checks you out because you guys are pretty badass well i appreciate it a lot man and it's been uh, fantastic to talk about uh about music with you it's, it's fun to talk about old punk rock and, and all of that jazz and uh you know thanks so much for having me on all right thank you thank you for listening to the adventures of pipe man on w4cy radio